I live in Fairbanks, Alaska, and uh, I was incarcerated in southern Utah, a little town called Richfield. Um, Jake, a.k.a. Last One. Whenever you talk about incarceration with anybody, the general response is that it's not supposed to be nice. If you bring up a shortcoming of any sort, well, it's not supposed to be good. Our tax dollars pay for it, and it's supposed to fucking suck. But that doesn't make any fucking sense because these people are coming back into society and they're going to resent the system for this, you know. They're not learning their fucking lesson. They're learning how to hate the government for doing this to them. And it doesn't have to be shitty. It's up to the cooks in the jail to make up the menu. It's up to them whether or not they season their food. The state just has guidelines on how much nutrition has to go into it. Whether or not the chicken has any fucking seasoning is up to the employee. And some places do, some places don't. There's usually not specific laws state by state to accommodate for people who are diabetic. I was in a cell with a diabetic person and he just got a fucking extra banana after his insulin shot. Or a hard-boiled egg, you know, it was tough to watch. Nobody accommodates for indigenous people, um... For indigenous people, food can be spiritual, it can be healing. It means something to you, and it connects you to the earth. You're not very connected to the earth when you're eating processed meats and processed vegetables and fucking top ramen. A lot of people in the uh, villages in Alaska strictly eat caribou, seal, um, vegetables that are grown. Then they're extradited to the city, where while also being in a cell for the first time in their life, they're also eating top ramen and bags of chips for the first time in their life. What's up comrades, you are on the breadline. Breadline Podcast. Thanks for being back with us. The voice that you were just hearing was Jake, aka Last One, who responded to our call for people who had been previously incarcerated who could talk about the issue that we'll be covering tonight, which is food in the prison system. I'm Matthew Hodges. I'm Anna Marco. Uh, Mark is not with us this week. The jerk had to be out doing... What's he doing? Cooking food for elderly people? Oh, man. Good You know, I mean, we've got a podcast. He's out there feeding people. I'm, I'm feeling a little a little distressed about that. Yeah, but. neglected. <laughs> well, like I mentioned, uh, tonight's episode is going to be about food in the prison system. And Anna can attest to this also. When we started making our list of issues we wanted to talk about with food and prisons... Uh, it rapidly spiraled out of control. Yeah, there's a lot of different layers and facets to the relationship between the food system and the prison system. There are so many ways they intersect, so we decided to start by focusing on just one specific part of this huge issue, which is the actual food in the prisons. Right, what the prisoners are actually eating. And even that, even that has so much to talk about. And I'm hoping we're we're able to keep it under our regular listening time uh, as we go through some of these issues. Um, I think the, 
I think we should start off then with some research, Anna, that you did on, like, what are most people in prisons eating? Um, it's not, not amazing. It's yeah. generally, uh, there's a lot of just processed foods, canned fruit and vegetables, uh, very bare bones meal, not, not prepared by anybody thinking about flavor just thinking about what you technically have to feed people yeah technically hitting those uh nutritional guidelines but the way that they do it is is awful i mean we're talking about you know people people reporting you know a bologna sandwich that is literally just two slices of white bread with a paper thin piece of bologna in the middle and that's lunch that's uh what was that fire that's a fire fest sandwich yeah (laughs) (laughs) That's what that is. That's um, that's nobody should have to eat that. That's terrible. Right. That's for for adult and mostly males, also females. That's that's not enough. Food. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, for sure. And uh, we we ended up finding a whole bunch of articles about you know that's that's at best it seems like because it seems like a lot of the prisons have privatized their uh, food service out to specifically one big company, Aramark. Yep, Aramark, who I'm sure a lot of people have heard of. They actually get um, food service contracts for a huge variety of things, uh, including K-12 schools, colleges, which universities really like because then they don't have to deal with the food workers unions. Right. Even even schools like Yale have gone with Aramark over dealing huh. with the union folks. So there's just it's there's what is it the military stadiums and uh, prisons the prison system and Aramark if you just go right on their website that's one of the services that they list and uh, a great thing that they like to do is they like to come into these these prisons and they take over the food program. They're underserving people. They're not giving them enough calories. They're serving them sub-quality food. And then they're also controlling the commissary. So any food that people might want to have to supplement their their daily diet with is coming out of this commissary, and it's the same people are profiting on it. So that's just bonus. And that's literally listed on their website as a feature, not a bug. That oh, is sure. what is it intended? It's intended to drive revenue by underfeeding people so they have to purchase food yeah absolutely and you know and again this is at best if they're they're if they're underfeeding you and at least the food is edible then that's like a best case scenario that's literally what they're advertising that they do uh but that's not all of the story because there have been these reports out of uh ohio and michigan a bunch of different places who have contracted with aramark to provide the the food in their prisons where they're reporting food shortages uh you know you run out of pizza when you've got 600 more inmates left to feed uh there was a an airmark employee who got fired because he had thrown a bunch of food away and then it turned out they didn't have enough for people so he literally went to the dumpster and got a bunch of food out and recooked it and fed it to the inmates. Yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of uh, food food quality mold infestations, uh, mice vermin infestations. Just really, when you're dealing with that much bulk food at once, their quality controls end up going 
down the tubes, especially when it's your lowest priority is to feed people in prisons. That's yeah. There's, a, there's definitely a, a, a literal food chain to the services they provide. None of them excellent, but the prison is going to be the one where they're just looking to drive revenue off of people who are already suffering. Yeah, which is not uh, out of keeping with the way that we treat the penal system uh, overall, right? I mean, this yeah. isn't the the food aspect of this is just a microcosm of our penal justice system where you try to cut expenses as much as possible you know we're treating inmates worse than most people treat animals uh and Absolutely. and that's that's top to bottom their living conditions but you know specifically our wheelhouse is talking about the food that they eat now we also wanted to talk about and and you dug into this as well you know, if people do want to supplement the food that, say, their family member is eating while they're in prison, um, you know, it's a pretty, pretty well established. I think most people are familiar with, you know, taking people care packages in prison. But even that has had some really nasty movement on it lately. Do you want to talk about what's going on in New York? Yeah. So in New York, um, and this was apparently inspired by uh, 27 other states have programs like this, which when you think about it is more than half of the states in the U.S. Right. That just have decided that uh, prisoners have no right to things like fresh fruits and vegetables. Uh, Their families can no longer send things that aren't sold through registered vendors with the prison. It's all about driving revenue. It's all about making more money off of everybody incarcerated. So if they want to send them a box of crackers or some rice, and that box of crackers or rice is $1.50 at the local grocery store or bodega, that's, that's tough. They still have to buy it from this vendor who is charging double or in some cases even triple what a, a regular food store would pay. So families can only send what they are allowed to choose from. And in some cases, it's too expensive. People have to choose between sending a care package and actually visiting because it's always a long drive and a whole day to go visit somebody incarcerated. Yeah, sure. We You found this article from the New York Daily News that was talking about uh, like a 10-pack a of Quaker instant oatmeal that's two seventy nine on Amazon. But if you buy it through the commissary, uh, it's what... What's a, their newest vendor, Music by Mail? It costs $7.29. It's yeah. like, is that what happened to, like, Columbia House? Like, what, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> where is that? What, what, what is Music by Mail doing supplying food to incarcerated people? Yeah, I mean, you used to be able to get those, uh, you know, pay 99 cents and get 20 albums or something, but now you pay triple for a thing of Quaker oatmeal. Yeah, it's grifters gonna grift. Right. Yeah, and, and again, this money is going directly back into the pockets of the people who own the prisons, right? Because these are contracts yeah. that they're making with these outside vendors. Yeah, these are money-making contracts. Yeah, and they'll say that it's to try to crack down on, say, like contraband coming in or something like that. But no more, there are no obviously... more files baked in cakes. Like, that's not, right. That's, the trope <laughs> is dead. Uh, a round bomb or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hidden inside a cupcake. And it's so it's so obvious that there are better ways that we could be doing this if we actually treated our prisoners like human beings that we actually wanted to rehabilitate yeah, and have them have them be able to reenter society. Rehabilitation. One thing that was actually uh, part of the was it there was a huge outcry about it when New York decided to to take one of these care package 
programs into effect. They were saying that you also have to buy any books you're sending from one of the vendors. And at the time, they hadn't released all the vendors' name, but the only book-selling vendor at the time was selling nothing but outdated instruction manuals, religious texts, and like a dictionary and a thesaurus. Right, And right. only one of each. You couldn't get a different, you, like, you were stuck with whatever dictionary they gave you. It could be from 1930, for all you knew. And that was it. They eventually added one that sold more books, but it's still very, very restrictive. And, you know, reading material is one of the most valuable things that you can give to an incarcerated person. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely. Well... I think uh, I, I think now it's time to talk about some more some more specific cases of some strange abuses inside uh, the the criminal justice system surrounding mm-hmm. food. We had the opportunity to speak with Connor Sheets, who's a journalist down in Alabama, who has been covering this story. Uh, maybe if you're in that area, you have heard about the Beach House Sheriff. Now it's important for our audience to know that. Under Alabama state law, county sheriffs get paid somewhere between 75 cents and a buck 75 per day per inmate incarcerated in their jails. So when I say beach house sheriff, of course, I'm referring to Todd Enterkin, who is under both state and federal investigation for pocketing hundreds of thousands of dollars that was supposed to go to feed inmates and buying himself, well, a beach house. I guess we'll let Connor tell you all about it. I mean, the best way to put it is just jail food. And I mean, it's it's funded by the governments that uh, basically a county jail. Uh, this is Etowah County Jail, but Etowah County Jail is in Alabama and probably in other states. Um, the way it works is they're essentially almost like a hotel where like, they have a number of beds and different governments can pay to put people in those beds. So, right. um, uh, and I mean, so basically, essentially, like ICE, the reason it's a federal issue is because ICE puts lots of um, immigration detainees in Etowah County Jail. And, um, oh, they do? Okay. Yeah, that's why. So, like, you know, there's this whole thing that after I published my stories, um, NPR was one of the big ones that did this. But a lot of people put in the headline, it's legal for him to do this, um, which <laughs> I'm, not even, I'm not even convinced it's legal at the state level. But I did yeah, a, huge, yeah. a big, long, in-depth story explaining all the federal laws that he was potentially breaking, speaking to lawyers right. that specialize in those laws, the False Claim Act, and other, a number of other laws. And that's because, um, you know, a large percentage of the money that's funding the food in these jails is from ICE. There's actually DHS money. but um, And uh, Etowah County Jail is famous before this because it has the long-term ICE detainees because it's the cheapest place the federal government can house detainees in the entire country. So, oh, wow. um, so they have hundreds of ICE detainees that um, are there for long terms, and that's generally years. A lot of them, because so, for instance, say you're an immig- uh, you know an undocumented immigrant, and you get arrested, and when they pick you up, you have a murder conviction in the con- in your home country, right? If that's the case, that country probably does not want you back, right? And we don't want you back, so we put you in the Etowah County Jail and you sit there for years on end. And, you know, right. some of them, I don't think there's any plan for some of them to ever get out. So there's some that have been there 10 years, stuff like that. So it's pretty fun. And then the other, the other money for it. so grim. 
Yeah, and the other money that's there um, that comes in is um, like, so for, for instance, it's in Etowah County. So the county will have inmates like the county sheriff's office, which is him. So they'll, you know, they'll put people arrested by them in there. And then all the different municipalities within uh, Etowah County. So Gadsden, Rainbow City, whatever, they'll all pay to have inmates in there and that they all pay into this food fund, like the federal government, like the sheriff's office to feed them. And then also the, the state has some, some there. So that's where all the money comes from. And all of that money currently goes um, basically to the sheriff's office, but he essentially, it automatically goes into this account that he has that he calls the jail, the jail food bill. I don't, and it's kind of like just a weird term, the jail food bill. And basically that money is money that he controls by himself and he's pocketed over $750,000 worth of it over the last three years and bought a fit. And, uh, you know, he says that he did not buy the jail, the, the, the beach house with that money, but he did. <laughs> it's it's buy. pretty much exactly the same amount of money. So yeah, so he didn't buy it in cash. So he bought the house. Um, he took out like a five hundred forty thousand dollar mortgage. So he only spent about one hundred forty thousand in cash on it. So it's not yeah. like he just like yeah. transferred a pile of cash. But but yeah, so but it's it's pretty pretty suspicious. He makes like a he gets like a pretty nice ninety thousand dollar per year salary or something. Right, and his right? wife but makes not, under yeah. hundred thousand. Yeah. Not the kind of thing that you would necessarily be able to buy, like an almost half a million dollar beach house. Well, it's of. a seven hundred forty thousand dollar beach house, and uh, yeah. oh, oh, okay. Yeah, so he wow. paid like a hundred fifty thousand dollars down, or two hundred thousand dollars down, or whatever, and then he took out this five hundred forty thousand dollar mortgage. Right. But also, he owns several other properties around the state, something like eight or nine other properties, and um, one of them's another beach house. And then he owns several properties in uh, Etowah County, so he's not. It's not just like a house and a beach house. It's over. $1.5 million worth of homes. You know, so, that's just, yikes. that's just smart investment, right? Like that's, right. <laughs> yeah. um, there's a, uh, so, so can you talk a little bit about the, the interesting loophole that allows him to have this fund? Okay. Yeah. So, um, according to the sheriffs, the way that the reason that they say that they believe this is legal at the state level is because, um, there's this, um, let's say unique uh, law in Alabama that was passed during the um, Depression era, the Great Depression. And um, basically, this is a time when across the nation and, and especially in, in smaller population states like Alabama, uh, with a lot of rural counties, um, most of the jails at that time were um, were so small that like the sheriff would live right next door to the jail or it actually live in a building attached to the jail. Um, I've never yeah. really watched the show, the Andy Griffith show, but apparently that's what his life was like. Yes. So yeah. it's um, Andy Griffith. It's a it's Lonesome Dove, you know, where like yeah. the yeah, the sheriff just lives almost, right there at the jail. Yeah, it's a very very old timey, almost like reminds you of like the Wild West type of jailhouses too, where you're just kind of the sheriff just wanders in and out. Yeah, and so back then that was like yeah, blazing you know, saddles. These, you know, you know yeah. they have like five or five or ten inmates at any time or whatever. That might be the maximum in a lot of these counties. And so, you know, the way it worked was where I don't even know how the funding scheme worked back then. But however, the money was going into the sheriff's office to pay for these people to be paid to be fed. That money, you know, if they accidentally, you know, if they were able to, you know, if they got paid two hundred dollars uh, for a week or for a month or something to feed the inmates, and they only spent one hundred fifty. Well, you can keep that $50 basically as a tip and like no one really had a problem with it. It was sort of like a right, little bit right. of a extra incentive, you know, because they, you know, they have to do all this work. And, and basically the wife of the sheriff back then, I guess, uh, a lot of the times she would be the one 
like in, in most of the cases, it would be there's like a wife who is cooking the food herself and actually going to the grocery store and stuff or whatever. I don't now, know. is the – yeah, so is the sheriff of this county – is she she's cooking the meals, right? Sorry? That's what I assumed. The the sheriff of this county, she's cooking these meals, right? And that's that's what goes to the inmates. You're saying currently or back then? <laughs> currently. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, no. I mean, currently as, it's inmates. As the law are, provides for. Yeah, currently, right. uh, yeah, it's inmates feeding, uh, you know, that cook their own meals and are not paid and, and work 16-hour days and that type of thing. Which I've spoken to a number of them, of people who were in the jail recently mm-hmm. – who you know described the working conditions, which were extremely harsh, and um, and so another big angle on why this is such a a problem, and the way that the way that I think that he could potentially at some point, and lawyers have told me, he could potentially face some criminal exposure, is because um, you know there's a lot of reports from the SPLC from people that I've talked to um, who've been in the jail that you know they're getting very inferior food products. There were um, I've spoken to it was either three or four uh, inmates on the record who told me that they've they they were um, they had food that was marked not safe for human consumption that they were forced to feed the inmates and you know the food was just very low quality they say and uh, yeah that was a that was a thing that came up in several of your articles that people were talking about these these weird packaged some kind of processed meat product that even the the crates that they came in much less the individual packages were all labeled in giant letters that said not fit for human consumption yeah and according to the inmates the actual it was like a roll of a meat product and the roll the plastic that was rolled around it like almost like a i don't know like a Jimmy's whatever Jimmy Dean sausage or something you know how it comes in that plastic (laughs) roll like it would say on the outside in big red letters not safe for human consumption so it's fairly clear what that means and uh, and you know they were also serving like they would get a lot of donated food um, Mm -hmm. from various like businesses and churches and stuff and that food sometimes according to them um, was spoiled or rotten or whatever and they would have to cut rotten pieces off of chicken and then serve it and stuff like that so I mean so the thing is that is all um, you know, fed, under the federal, I mean, under the, the constitution, that's like people have a right to certain things and food that doesn't make you sick. And so, I mean, I, don't, I mean, I, yeah. I obviously, uh, there's not there. So he's currently under investigation. I don't know if you guys saw the most recent story I did yesterday. He told me on the phone, which I'm not sure if, you know, he told me on the phone that he is under investigation by the Department of Homeland Security Office of Inspector General, which is a federal investigation. So I'm assuming they're looking into some of these claims. He handed documents over to them and the same with um, the state um, ethics commission. So it's possible that they're looking into any of these issues, any and all of these issues. And that's where, you know, so because of that issue with the food, that's where there could be criminal charges at some point. But as of right now, there's no charges filed. He's not under any official civil suit or anything. He's just sort of waiting for these uh, investigations to move forward or whatnot. Well, and as far as law goes, uh, it's not just like constitutional issues in terms of the conditions that are being provided uh, uh, to prisoners, but also there are there are federal statutes, aren't there, that have to do with self-dealing and conflicts of interest that I know a lot of these funds come from the municipality, from the county, possibly mm-hmm. from the state, but the the federal money, there are statutes that attach to that, aren't yeah, there? Yeah, so I spoke with um, some very high-level lawyers who've worked on these topics. Well, you know, one of them was a former 
head of civil rights under the Obama administration, um, I forget which agency, and then one of them, another one working in the Obama administration at some time in, in another role, and they both said that um, they believe that this was a pretty, you know, potentially a clear violation of the False Claims Act, which means like if you're making false claims to the federal government, you say, I'm going to spend this money on this, and you instead keep it for yourself. Um, the penalty for that is you have to pay back all the money times three plus $10,000 for every single time you defrauded the government. So, which <laughs> they interpreted as meaning every check he ever cashed. So that could be millions of dollars. Uh, so that's, that's the, yeah, that's, that's the a, civil that's side chunk. though. So I would say like criminal, I think there's a lot less exposure criminally, but civilly he's got a lot of potential, uh, things going on. Well, it's 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 a good thing that his beach house is worth so much, I suppose. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh yeah, I mean, can we uh can we dig down a little bit more into specifically what so we've got this sheriff who is uh pocketing money that was earmarked to go toward feeding people in jail. Right. And it's going into apparently buying him a life of luxury and then you have these prisoners who there was money earmarked to feed them like what are they eating specifically yeah like so um for instance after i did the first story the the big one about the, the beach house sheriff came out of it the name and everything with with the fact that he was taking all the money and then then the fact that he bought this beach it's house. grabby it's it's a good uh it's a good hashtag yeah so he um he ended up um yeah. He did this press conference um, where he defended the practice, said, you know, if you're a person, any other man who has a business, you know, they're allowed to keep the proceeds. This is a, this is a business, whatever. So <laughs> however not a business, well advised or not that was, um, during that press conference <laughs> – yeah. So during, during that press conference, he um, actually – the press conference was in this like conference room in the jail. So it's actually – you don't have to actually go into the jail, but it's in the front of the jail like before you go through the metal detector or whatever. And he actually brought stacks of these trays that – you know, like trays with covers over them. And, and it, it was basically the breakfast that they served that morning. And it was supposed to yeah. show how you know he's serving them this wonderful food. And it was essentially like a, a – little pile of grits, two hard boiled eggs and one piece of toast. And then, um, wait, wait, he was, he was taking them through the metal detectors to make sure that they no, weren't eating like no, no, iron no. So, filings or something. No, no, the metal detector. I was just saying, we didn't actually have to go into the jail itself. We, okay. uh, I was just saying this was in the conference room. So we're in the conference room and they brought in all these, um, trays of food that they were saying, this is what we serve for breakfast. This is great food. Like it's so nutritious and whatever. And what it was, was grits, two uh hard-boiled eggs a piece of toast a little packet of jelly and uh like uh, kool-aid without sugar and this was supposed to be his demonstration of how he's serving these like unbelievably healthy meals and you know and then he sort of went on this whole thing about you know we don't serve them kfc we don't give them mcdonald's this isn't grandma's fried chicken yeah i think he i think he actually uh he invoked Domino's at one point in mm -hmm. some press Domino's, conference yeah. yeah yeah they don't have Domino's delivered and that's but that's like you think about how many calories are in that as a breakfast and how much your average like i don't know five ten six foot tall guy actually needs to eat in a day and that is way below and never mind like the nutrients way below of, what people need to eat i'm not sure how much nutrients yeah there's in, like, no there's no whatever, fresh yeah. fruit or vegetables there you've got jelly you've got kool-aid yeah so yeah so that was supposed to be his his way of showing how great the food was and i don't think uh 
many people were that convinced. <laughs> and no one actually, I think one person ate it. He want, they, they kept trying to get us, they kept trying to get us to eat it. And I was just like, I mean, I think pretty much, pretty much everyone just thought it was funny, but I mean, you know, and then, you know, his press person said, you know, this is, this is what I ate for breakfast today. I eat this every day. And, you know, so it was interesting. Too. <laughs> I, I would like to see video of that. Yeah, I mean, exactly. like, yeah. seriously, yeah. press guy, periscope that we will retweet it on the breadline uh twitter account we, we'd be happy to do that yeah uh, yeah li- oh, live on live on that for a week go ahead yeah yeah and i mean so actually some of the people who the splc has talked to and a couple of the people i've talked to as well um say that they've lost dozens of pounds in a matter of a couple months over not dozens but like up to like 20 30 pounds in the matter of a couple months uh, or, or a year, up to a year, um, just from eating the food, just right. because they say it was so unnutritious or whatnot. Yeah, it's, I've never heard of a law, an old grandfather law being put to use um, in such an insidious way before. It's usually kind of a joke. Oh, it's bizarre. You would think that they would have fixed this, right? That. I mean, you've got judges who are pocketing literally hundreds of thousands of dollars of yeah. taxpayer money, and then they just walk with it. Yeah, no, that's absolutely nuts. I and and a law that's approaching a hundred years old too. And right. There's been absolutely no no oversight on that. Uh, I guess nobody's exploited it as blatantly till now. Well, apparently that's not true because oh, no, <laughs> no, because I I found a I found an article or an, an instance of this from back in 2009. There was another Alabama sheriff named Greg Bartlett who, through the same program, the direct payments to the county sheriffs, ended up with two hundred and twelve thousand dollars based on the jails that he was running. Uh, he was uh, he was eventually arrested for contempt and put in his own jail because Aww. a judge had because a judge had ordered them to improve the food conditions at the jail. But okay, uh, one one of the and this is this is outrageous and this came from uh, one of our a good friend of the show. At one point, he and a sheriff in a neighboring county split an 18-wheeler of corn dogs that they bought for $1,000. <laughs> and they served the inmates corn dogs two meals a day for months before they finally that ran out of corn dogs. Hell. That is oh, yeah. terrible. It would be... I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine living under those conditions. And meanwhile, these law enforcement officers are walking away with hundreds of thousands of dollars of money that was slated specifically to be spent on the food for the inmates. I wonder how many cases there are in some of these jails of things like Pellagra and maybe even scurvy. Yeah, I, I would not be shocked. Uh, you know, we I think, had... I, I mean, I think scurvy, they're the minimum nutrition law would probably provide for something like that but pelagra could happen yeah i mean they're they're probably getting the occasional uh like carton of orange juice or orange slices like yeah, they're a soccer yeah. game or something like that but like the um, minimum right right yeah so i mean what's what's to be done here what do we do about this i think at the at the minimum we need radical overhaul or complete abolition of the carceral system absolutely it's It's, there's nothing rehabilitative about it it's only it's it's turned human beings into sickly cash machines right 
and it's designed to just entrap you forever once you're out because you're yeah. you're can be discriminated against. Well, and some of these articles that we've had are talking about how, you know, inmates report having lost, you know, 20 or 30 pounds over the course of their incarceration. There's no way that that's putting people into the kind of, you know, mental state, uh, mental health that even if we did have services to really rehabilitate people, they're, they're going to be able to respond to that. We it's... know that, you know, kids who go to school hungry uh, in the morning don't learn as well. Right. It's, it's a basic human function. And to decide that everybody fits one bare minimum and to provide only that is just a huge case of abuse. <gasps> Absolutely. Well, there are some people who are trying to take matters into their own hands. We wanted to call out uh, between August 21st and September 9th, there is a wide-scale prison strike that has been called. Uh, if you want to learn more about this, check out Jailhouse Lawyers Speak. They're on Twitter at Speak. They're hoping to be the, the mouthpiece for these various uh, prisons and jails who have organized uh, specifically in response to a riot that broke out in one prison that was not only ignored by uh, the, the law enforcement officers in the prison, but possibly even encouraged by them yeah. ended up with ended up with seven people dead and dozens more south carolina I believe. south carolina and i think that's right yeah. yeah it was really 22 others hospitalized for injuries just absolutely horrific but uh, yeah. uh jailhouse lawyers speak do have a great kind of mission statement up if you want to check it out they've got a lot of information about it yeah, and specifically named among their their demands uh, for this strike. So they're they're going to be doing a hunger strike. They won't be showing up to their assigned duties, their you know slave wage, uh, you know jail or prison house um, jobs. Uh, specifically named in their demands is we demand to be fed nutritious, edible food. Yeah, there's there's a lot. The majority of of incidents where you might have a riot or something in prison a lot of that is fueled by food by not having enough by people extorting you for extra food you might have by the quality yep. of the food by sheer hunger and people kill themselves because they're so hungry in prison it's horrific absolutely absolutely right well we're going to leave you with that audience the issue of Food in prisons is one that we absolutely will be returning to because, as you can tell, there is so much to talk about that yeah. we want to we want to make sure that as we go forward as a show that the people that are the most out of sight in our society do not escape the notice of us or you, our audience. So, yeah, consider this part one of a series. Absolutely. Absolutely right. Well, Anna, do you want to say where folks can find you online if they want to follow you for more more food and other good political commentary? Yeah, I'm at very small Anna on Twitter. Uh, it's all it's all work stuff on Instagram. Um, easy to find though. I also am on Twitter and Instagram at the same name. I'm at Matt the Great with a W. You can follow the show at the Breadline Pod. Uh, we finally did get our approval to be on uh, iTunes, so anybody's 
app that streams from the iTunes feed. You should be able to get the show now. Uh, please interact with us. Please send us your tips. Send us your guest suggestions, your topic suggestions. Yeah, any, anything. We want, we want this to be interactive and collaborative. Absolutely. Uh, I want to give some special thanks on this episode, obviously, to Connor Sheets uh, for that great interview that he did with us. You can find him and his work on Twitter at Connor A. Sheets. I want to thank a couple of other people who helped us with uh, sending us articles and other considerations, including uh, Brian Sonnenstein. He is on Twitter at B Sonnenstein, S-O-N-E-N-S-T-E-I-N. Also, I'm not sure what his full name is, but he's at J-B-Ware, J-A-Y Beware on Twitter. Uh, he runs the Beyond Prisons podcast, which is also outstanding. We want to especially thank Jake, a.k.a. Last One, for his testimony. It's incredibly moving. He's an incredibly bright guy. And you can find him on Twitter at number nine, word triple number six, nine triple six. Yeah, thanks so much, Jake. Jake's a, Jake is also a cook. Jake's a cook and a Leninist who lives in Fairbanks, Alaska right now. So um, all solidarity to you, Jake, and thank you so much for your words. Yeah, the Breadline Podcast is produced by me, Matthew Hodges. Our theme music was composed by Jane Stewart, whose other work you can find on her Twitter at InscrutableJane. Thank you for listening, everybody, and stay hungry. And we're going to let Jake take it out. So my incarceration was 35 days for a graffiti violation. I am a graffiti artist. At first, you know, people told me that it would be shitty, but I didn't believe them because I don't eat a lot of food in general. So at first I wasn't hungry. I wasn't really eating anything because it looked fucking disgusting for the first three, three or so days. After that, I started to get really hungry and I started to eat all the food I could get my hands on and I was still fucking hungry. I spent all my commissary money on top ramen um, I was constantly trading things for Top Ramen, like I would draw shit for people, etc. And uh, just so I could sleep at night, because I can't sleep on an empty stomach. In the morning, it would be like a, a small cup of cereal, maybe a little cube of egg, um, one of the little milk cartons like you get in school, um, hard-boiled egg maybe. Um, lunch would be like a bologna sandwich with like a little bag of chips, you know, just two slices of bread little slice of meat, no cheese, no fucking sauce, nothing like that. Um, dinner might be like a hamburger with some steamed cooked french fries, like fucking soggy potatoes. It's just disgusting, you know. Um, and like I said, these are up to the employees in the prison. So some prisons are better than others, some jails are better than others. There's just nutrition guidelines set, so they have to reach that in the menu. They can make the food better if they choose to. If they want to work harder to make the food better, they can. I feel like a lot of places just do the easiest route, and that would be steam cooking fucking everything. Um, so yeah, you know, I don't think that problems like this are going to be solved across the board through legislation. They might get better in a couple places, but there will always be the jails like the fucking jail that I went to. The solution is to abolish the prisons, is to fucking get rid of the whole fucking thing. 
So thank you, uh, anyone who's listening. I'm glad I reached out. Shout out the Breadline. Shout out anyone who's been incarcerated. I fucking feel you, especially for longer than I have. Because, you know, what I did really wasn't shit. Um, But yeah, solidarity, man. Um, See y'all after the revolution. Thank you.